Hello and welcome back. My name is Lana Lynn Marino and welcome to another episode of Journeys to Wellness. I'm an intuitive therapist and energy healer and I'm here to give you some guidance and support in some challenging times. So today I'm going to be talking about the death of the ego and what that means to some people, what it means to me. So um, I checked it out on Wikipedia and uh, it's the best description that I've got. So ego death is a complete loss of subjective self-identity. Now the term is used in various intertwined contexts with related meanings. In Jungian psychology, the synonymous term psychic death is used, which refers to a fundamental transformation of the psyche. Now in death and rebirth mythology, ego death is a phase of self-surrender and transition. As in rebirth mythology, ego death is a phase of self-surrender and transition. As described by Joseph Campbell in his research on the mythology of the hero's journey. It's a recurrent theme in world mythology and is also used as a metaphor in some strands of contemporary Western thinking. In description of psychedelic experiences, the term is used synonymously with ego loss to refer to temporary loss of one's sense of self due to the use of psychedelics. But the term was used as such by Timothy Leary to describe the death of the ego in the first phase of an LSD trip in which complete transcendence of the self occurs. The concept is also used in contemporary New Age spirituality and in the modern understanding of Eastern religions to describe a permanent loss of attachment to a separate sense of self and self-centeredness. This conception is an influential part of Eckhart Tolle's teachings, where ego is presented as an accumulation of thoughts and emotions, continuously identified with, which creates the idea and feeling of being a separate entity from oneself and only by disidentifying one's consciousness from it can one truly be free from suffering. So I love that description and it brings me to talk about um, a client that I had recently and um, this client was very much involved with rescuing her sister. Now her sister was very ill and her belief was that she was responsible to save her so no matter what she did, no matter what she said, how she acted she believed that it was her place to save her she had to think about how she could rescue her sister from imminent death death of the physical body and when we started talking about death of the ego really it came back to her to think about how her ego was actually running this show and her ego was making her believe that she was responsible to keep her sister alive. I must say it was a very, very sad occasion for her to come to me and talk about, you know, the death of her sister and how this was making her feel. And it was bringing up on a physical level for her anxiety, 
depression, she couldn't sleep, she was stuck in a rut of not wanting to get out of bed. The only thing that really prompted her was how she could that particular day and every day um, move forward in finding a cure for her sister. When we started to talk about uh, the lower self, <clears throat> in which Susan's, uh, Susan Fasenga in The Undefended Self, she writes about the lower self. We started to talk about the lower self and how um, this is the creative center of our negative attitudes and feelings towards self and others, arising out of our egocentric separateness from the totality of life. So it's our defense against pain, our numbness to feeling, our disconnection from ourselves and from other people. And it is the negativity we act out as a result of this numbness. Now, what does this have to do with someone that's trying to keep their family member alive? Well, when we can look at the death of the ego, we can start to understand from the introduction that the ego surrenders to everything that is. The ego surrenders to the ability to become more involved with the divine spark within us. We can't tell when, you know, the death of the ego happens, but I know for sure from personal experience and working with people over a number of years that the lower self plays a huge part in guilt. We carry a lot of guilt in our lower self. As Susan goes on to talk about, we project onto others the role of enemy, thus enabling us to treat them badly, forcing them to play a part in our own secret melodramas, rather than respecting their God-given integrity. I'll read that again. We project, we pro we project onto others the role of enemy, thus enabling us to treat them badly, forcing them to play a part in our own secret melodramas rather than respecting their God-given integrity. So in short, that really means that if we're projecting onto others, we're giving away, we're not owning our own stuff, our own shit, as some, as some people would say. So when we're projecting onto other people, you know, that's something that unconsciously we're passing over, you know, it's too too painful for us to hold on to. The essence of the lower self is the negative intention to stand apart from the whole of life and then to aggrandize that separateness. The lower self manifests at different levels of consciousness. At the ego level, we have certain chronic personality faults, such as competitiveness or a tendency to gossip or to be critical. At the level of our inner child, we have misconceptions and defensive negativity that resulted from our childhood wounding. As we explore more deeply, we find negative soul directions towards revenge or bitterness or despair, for example, that manifest through entrenched negative life issues. These are aspects of the lower self that we brought with us into this incarnation for the purpose of purification. Deeper still, the lower self manifests as our collective attachment to control and separateness. Ultimately, the lower self is whatever in us obstructs the free and focused flow of divine energy, love and truth through our being. 
Every human being living in the duality of the earth plane resists to one degree or another. Total surrender to God. We resist fully identifying with our own God essence, the flow of divine energy which is our true nature. The choice to identify with our resistance and our separated ego creates our capacity for ego for evil. And that comes from the defended self, the undefended self, living the pathway of spiritual wholeness. And it's on my reading list on my website by Susan Fusenga. Um, and I love reading about, you know, the darkness within us because going back to the client that I'm talking about, what we came to realize was that she was holding a lot of grief even before her sister had passed. But more importantly, she was holding a lot of guilt, a lot of guilt that she projected onto her sister. Her sister, she felt, was in a better place than her. She'd got more attention. So unconsciously at the child level, what had happened was there was a separate separate um, happening that took place from the love that she had for her sister. Instead, through her own experiences um, and the abuse that she got from her mother, she began to see her sister as a threat to her getting love. And it was quite sad to see this, this young lady that was trying desperately to save her sister because coming to accept that um, the lower self, coming to accept that the lower self is inherent in all of us. We all have the lower self. We all have the dark side of life force. So whether manifesting as a Hitler or um, a genocide, a, a genocide a dictator of any sort, what we're doing is we have the ability to make choices, which, you know, which is what A Course in Miracles teaches us, which I talk about a lot. We have choices. So at any given time, why didn't this lady, why didn't she stop? and realize what she was doing to her sister, why she hated her sister so much, why she felt she was in competition with her sister. She even went on to, to have one more child outside of the number that her sister had, just to be competitive and to show her that she could do it as well. And these are stories that are not, not uncommon to, to most of us. I know that I've got um, one of my sisters and I had a I had a conversation with her the other day and I felt that, you know, not being able to have children that a lot of my love and maternal instincts went into my nieces and nephews, which I've always felt my sister felt threatened by because I could see their pain and their, their, their life story from a different perspective from their mother. So they would choose a lot of the time to come to me and, you know, talk about things that probably they wouldn't talk to other people about because there was a trust. But how that affected my sister, I can see it. And we had this discussion around, you know, it's hard to believe that a mother, a sister, a daughter could be jealous of us. Competitiveness, resentment, jealousy, all these are components of the lower self. And when we when we repress awareness of this part of ourselves, we end up repressing much of our creativities and vitality as well. 
Susan Senga goes on to say that everyone carries distortions in their sexual and aggressive functioning. And if we bear in mind that um, our sexual organs, so we're talking about the sacral chakra, um, is also the, the emotional field. So if we're suppressing stuff around that area, around the belly, it, it makes sense that a lot of women have fertility, infertility problems, um, men can have prostate problems, um, there can be a lot of repression around the womb that can be that stores those those blocked emotions which eventually can cause problems in the the front of our body or in our rear a lot of people have back problems but the more afraid we are of these distortions the more we limit the energy available for these vital self-expressions so in short we have to acknowledge, have to acknowledge and admit, you know, our guilt, our shame, our stuff that has gone underground, that's gone into our shadow. When life gets too difficult for us, when we deny part of ourself that we don't want to go into, at a stage in our life where life is so difficult, the distortion starts to get stronger so when we talk about the distortion when i when i talk about the distortion in energy healing i'm looking at how one can see through the distorted view and the distorted vision of life the distortion is coming through the ego so if we're looking through the divine eye which is our third eye our our, our uh, sixth chakra. If we're looking through that that eye, all we see is the divine love of people, of life, of experiences. We can begin to acknowledge and surrender to the divine within us. We can begin to acknowledge and accept that we can't save the world. We can't save our biological family. We can't save our global family. All we can do is we can contribute to the collective consciousness of healing. And as I've mentioned before, we're in great times at the moment where there's a lot of healing that's going on in the planet. There's a lot of people that are leaving, a lot of souls that are leaving. You know, through the pandemic, lots of souls leaving to come back to do the work, and this is my personal belief, to do the work that needs to be done, and that is healing on the planet. Our forest, our planet, um, our green space, disasters, you know, our sea levels, our animal kingdoms. Everything is in a state of emergency right now. So it goes to it goes to figure that, you know, we are in a state of emergency as human beings. And I was talking about, you know, my client that tries trying to save her 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 sister. If it were possible to let go, if it was possible to let go and trust that the God within us, the God within us is responsible and takes ownership for saving and for looking after us. Looking after us in the way that we hand everything over to that God-like self within us, that divine spark of life when we can own our shadow, when we can own our shit, when we can own those feelings, when we can start to forgive ourselves for believing that we are responsible or we were responsible for the pain that we inflicted on our loved ones. 
then the healing can start within us. Remembering that as a soul, you know, we choose to come into the families that we come into. We choose the experience that we're having. We choose the story, we choose the drama. We step into that drama, we step in as a player in that drama. So the family that we know, we start to, we start to, the distortion starts to take, take place. You know, when the ego starts to get stronger, usually in the early stages of life, when we start to define the world through our eyes, when our solar plexus is getting stronger, when we're becoming more aligned, usually in our early teens, where we start to define the world through our eyes, not through what we've been told. As an abused child, a child will start to see the world through a different through a, through different eyes rather than through the distortion that I'm not safe. I'm not safe and everything around me is a threat to my survival. When a child starts to go through that process of the teenage years, going into the 20s, as I've always said, the 20s for me, wow, I would never want to go back there again. But looking back, I can see that that was the learning years for myself, and I know for many, the learning years. But even though it's through a textbook um, where our life is mapped out for us by those around us, you go to nursery, you go to primary school, you go to secondary school, you go to college, you go to university, you meet the love of your life. You get engaged, you get married, you have a child. Then you realise, wait a minute, I've been going along in the textbook rigidity of life. And for some people that is the turning point where, what about me? What about me comes in and they start to kind of see life sometimes through that distortion where they believe that they need more, uh, they should be having more, they should be a better place than what they're at, they should have a better job, they should have a better husband, they should have um, higher cheekbones. You know, there's so many layers to this that the ego in its strength starts to govern, but also starts to um, play a big part in our life because I call it those years are, are very important where we just go along with things. Coming to a place where, you know, uh, we can we can look at life and going back to this story, we can look at life and take ownership of, yeah, I did that and I'm, I'm not happy that I did that, but, you know, here I am right now. And first of all, I forgive myself. Then I can accept and acknowledge that my sister is going to die. And at this very point now, this junction of my life, I can change. My sister, our relationship can become different. My brother, I can go to him after 25 years of not speaking to him and say, I'm sorry. I'm sorry I take ownership for my part in this relationship. And again, um, you know, the contract that was written between us. The contract that was written between us and that part of the contract is ended now. As we start afresh, we start anew. And that is the start of a new relationship. So my client, um, that's that for her, took her out of the distortion that she was believing 
and she started to see it through fresh eyes that it was possible to have a new relationship to surrender to the ego mindset and to start to see her sister as not the cause of her own suffering but to take ownership of things that had happened to her and her sister wasn't to blame she wasn't to blame for the fact that you know she didn't get enough attention from another lifetime we made the connection that the father and her grandfather and her great 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 grandfather there was lots of issues there of abandonment lots of abuse so we threaded it all the way down through uh, with inherited trauma that in this lifetime this this young lady always believed that she was under threat and the closest person to her was her adorable sister who now she was feeling so sorry that she was leaving this plane but then made the connection that her sister was an earth angel i mean it was a beautiful transformation of this story to see how it unfolded but that is where the healing came from because then recognizing that her sister was an earth angel the new relationship began while she was still alive on this planet as far as i know this young lady is still alive as far as i know this my client her her life changed overnight because she had a new relationship with her sister she had a new more importantly relationship with herself which was absolutely so beautiful to watch to to watch this unfolding pride says i am better than you this means separateness it means one upmanship it means everything that is opposed to a state of love by the same token pride may also manifest as i am worse than others i am worthless i have no value but i must hide this i must hide this fact so i must pretend that i am more of course these thoughts are not articulate but they may not be altogether unconscious this distorted pride as opposed to healthy dignity is always comparing and measuring the self with others and is thus perpetually in an illusion for no true evaluation can ever come from this it is a hopeless and endless chase for an illusionary goal that leaves the personality not only exhausted but also more and more frustrated the chasm between the self and others widens forevermore love becomes less possible and hence pleasure pleasure further removed it does not matter whether you actually think you are more than others or only pretend in order to hide your feelings of worthlessness is all the same this cannot produce love the attitude of self will says i want what i want when i want it self will is distinct from free will which is simply the capacity of the entity to choose to direct to activate self will occurs when free will is used in the service of the little self the limited ego consciousness in an attempt to control others and life again that comes from the undefended self living the pathwork of spiritual wholeness by susan thesenga one of my bibles that i am um, you know that has helped me so much and um 
It helps me as I move through working with amazing souls, amazing beings that come to me. Um, and sometimes as a last result, and it's sad to see that, you know, we, we don't have to go through life suffering. We don't have to go through life trying to get more of what we believe we haven't got. We have everything that, that is possible. So I want to leave you today with that. Um, the death of the ego, um, it is about deciding, deciding to surrender deciding to surrender to the distortion of life that we see or we've seen up to now. Opening our eyes to a new world, opening our eyes to a new way of being is always possible. But yes, it, it takes some sacrifices. And one of the things that I always say to people is, you may feel that you're in the spiritual wilderness and that's okay because that is the letting go, the dissolving of the ego as we know it. Not knowing who you are is the first step to finding out where you are going and who you're becoming. And that becoming is becoming more aligned and more in tune with the authenticity of your spirit. Thank you so much for joining me today, as always. Uh, my name is Lana Lynn Marino. You can find me on wellnessjourneys.co.uk and my Instagram page, as always, um, I can never remember, but I think um, I think you can go to, just type in Lynn Marino. Uh, oh. Instagram, Journeys to Wellness, <laughs> Twitter, Wellness Journeys, and again, Facebook, Wellness Journeys. I'll leave you today with um, just a wonderful, wonderful sentiment that I love. It's, it's always one that fills my heart with joy. And life isn't perfect. Life is beautiful, and it does, life doesn't have to be perfect to be beautiful. So go away and have a great day wherever you are in the world. And I send you lots of love. Take care until the next time.